Hey, it's Damian Barling reminding you to check out the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network for all of your Sacramento Kings news and notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Damian Barling, and you can follow us at Hoop Ball Kings. Don't miss a single episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Thursday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today without the fantasy for, you know, the next month. I've lost track. I've lost track. Fantasy NBA Today without the fantasy. But I can't just call it NBA Today because that is the great show that our buddy Corbin Ford has here at Hoop Ball. So we are Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. I'm Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. And this is, of course, a Hoop Ball presentation. You can follow me on social media, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just search for Dan from Hoop Ball. And please, first thing I'm going at you with this morning, please... Take five seconds and go drop a five-star review on this podcast if you haven't already. This is of critical importance to us at all times. At all times, because that's how you move up the search board. This is how people find the show for a first time. So I need your guys' help getting us to that juncture point. We're going to do our normal stuff on today's podcast. It's uh, just a, a normal day, although there's only one game tonight, so we'll have less to break down going forward. A little bit more, or the normal amount to break down going backward after another epic between Toronto and Boston. That's a hell of a series. Has turned into one. It really was... I mean, aside from early on when we thought Boston might run away with it, the... Think about how important that OGN and OB shot is right now. Series is over. That shot was a week ago. And uh, he's... he's. Uh, I can't say single-handedly, because there was a lot that led up to that point, but... What a shot. What a shot. The um, the other thing I wanted to mention here before we dive into tonight's game and betting on tonight's game is a reminder because it is now Thursday, and I did a little bit more digging to make sure that I had the data right, and I definitely did. And this is in with regard to mybookie.ag. And having a, they have a $50 bet that you cannot lose. I know that this sounds like this is not something that a, a person into sports betting should ever say. Because the first thing you learn when you work as a handicapper, which I did for two years, I was a sports handicapper uh, over at pregame.com. It's when I founded Today in Sports Betting 11 years ago now. So I know this world pretty well. And I know this world well enough to tell you that there are no such things as sure bets except for this. Because what's happening now is because sportsbooks are opening up, are popping up all over the place, uh, there's suddenly market competition for your sportsbook dollars. It used to be that there were just a couple of offshore outfits and most people didn't trust them. Most people had their, you know, their friend of a friend of a friend, their street corner book. That was the person they trusted. And if you could find someone where you knew they'd pay you and you paid them and there was a mutual trust there, you just rolled with it. 
Whatever clunker odds you could get on stuff, that's what you had. Well, about 9, 10, 11 years ago, somewhere in that neck of the woods, it becomes a little bit easier to open up multiple offshore accounts. You could then uh, use different sports books based on whether or not you were playing a side that was a bit more public, that was getting public money throughout the day, or a side that might correspond to what they call the sharper side, the non-public side. And so you could choose your sports book a little bit based on the line you were getting. But still, there wasn't really this jockeying for position. It was just splitting the take. Every one of those spots was like, all right, look, we've got it, we've got, and we got to split our take. Now, with the legalization of sports betting, which now, I, I mean, that's a couple years ago all of a sudden, time flies when nothing's happening. Thank you, 2020. Well, suddenly now, because there's all these places in the marketplace, in the they're all in the same pool together, they want your dollars. It has become more like every other industry on Earth. Well, not every other one, but the majority of industries on Earth, where places are going to try to beat the other places' prices and have better deals or better product or whatever it is, and there's a race to be the best, which is awesome for us. It's finally a betters marketplace instead of a books marketplace. Now, let's remember, the sports book wins long term against most people. This is why it's a thriving industry and has been for a long time, legal or not legal. But what's come of this situation is that sports books now are fighting to be the place where you open up your initial account the place where you have your first experience with online betting. And as a result, they're running promos. And the promos just keep getting more enticing because the simple ones weren't doing it. A 50% deposit match, which is what places were running even as recently as eight or nine months ago, is no longer enough. You put in 50 bucks, they give you $25 of free play. That's not enough anymore. Even the promo we were running two months ago, a 100% deposit match, isn't enough by itself. They've had to sweeten the pot over at mybookie.ag to make sure that that's the place you go, and this is why you should go there, because they are offering a no-strings-attached, they call it an odds-boost wager, where tonight, in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Houston Texans. The Chiefs are a 9.5 point favorite if you were to take the normal odds but you're not taking the normal odds because my bookie has a promo running right now called the odds boost promo where you can bet on the chiefs not minus nine and a half but the chiefs plus 54 which by the way that's the expected total for the ball game meaning that the chiefs would have to lose by 55 points for you to lose this bet the only string attached is that you can't bet more than $50 on it because if you could, my bookie would go out of business in a day because there's no money coming in on the other side. There's nothing coming in on the other side. Kansas City Chiefs plus 54. The reason I bring all this up, of course, is twofold. Number one, they're a partner of ours, and so obviously we want you opening your first account there with promo code HOOPBALL. Please, please, please make sure that if you do open an account, Use the promo code HOOPBALL. It's on the third page of the sign-up window. You put in 
I think the first page is you put in a username and password, and then the second page is you put in your phone number and address, and the third page you put in, it's the promo info. So on the third page, put in the promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, no hyphens, nothing, just all one word. That will let them know that you found out about their deals through us, that you found out about their website at all through us. It also unlocks a 100% deposit match bonus, so they'll give you free play of whatever your initial deposit is. You put in 50 bucks, they'll give you a $50 free play ticket, and so on and so forth, which, by the way, those free plays, they turn into real dollars as you use them, provided you win. If you lose them, you lose them. It's the same thing as if you lost a regular dollar bet. Uh, so if you had a $50 free play, I would... Uh, I mean, you could use that on this game, whatever. It doesn't matter. You could use it on anything. And if you win it, then that goes into your real dollar. There are rollover requirements on the free plays. There are not on this odds boost play. This is the craziest thing that I've seen in now uh, roughly 12 years of being in the sports betting universe, whether working at it or just watching it sort of tangentially. This is the craziest thing that's happened, is these websites doing these deals, where they're effectively giving you 45 actual American dollars just to be at their website. They're like, look, come open your account with us. We're just going to give you 45 bucks. You have to put in 50 of your own, and that 50 we will turn into 95. It's not free play. It's not rollover play. It's just a guaranteed winning bet. So hurry this bet is off the board in a couple of hours this game is later today you have part of today to go to mybookie.ag choose the button that says join now it's big bright and orange in the top right corner enter your info with promo code hoopball and quickly put in at least 50 dollars and put 50 bucks on the chiefs plus 54 again it's called an odds boost so don't put it on the regular chiefs minus nine and a half that's not the special deal here there's a big scrolling media wall right on their front page where it's like, oh, here, get Chiefs plus 54 if you want. Click it and do it. And then when you win your $45, because, you know, they're going to keep the VIG <laughs> on a bet that you can't lose, then you'll have 95 bucks in your account, and you can do whatever that whatever you want with that. Make $5 wagers for the next 20 years if you like. Go nuts. And blow it all on one. You win, you lose, you win, you know, whatever, whatever. If you want to win a couple of bets and then cash out, do that. But there's absolutely no reason not to take advantage of this free $45. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I've seen other online books do similar stuff these days. So there, there may be an advantage to actually having multiple accounts at these spots and just taking advantage of their crazy uh, odds boost things to get you back to their website. You could you could make quite a career out of that. <laughs> 50 bucks. What is it? Two or three, four different places that are running these things like once every three or four months. If you're willing to win $150 every uh, quarter year, um, you could probably do it that way. Anywho. All right, let's actually get into some of the stuff. Only one game tonight. Lakers favored by five over the Rockets with a total of 218. That's a number that is coming down. And we've talked about this. As these series go on, the numbers continue to drop. Lakers-Rockets uh, went over the mark in that 117-109 Lakers victory at 223 was the total in that ballgame. And yet, and this is the, the topic we keep discussing, and yet the total came down 
between games because the Lakers had 117 in that game with the way we're running things, about 107 roughly possessions. They way overperformed their mark. The Rockets, uh, they overperformed their mark, even at 109, although they were much closer to it. And so the tempo from that game, that was game two, going all the way back to game two now, uh, where the Lakers got their first win. The tempo in that game should have led to roughly about 218, and it went to 226. So they outperformed their mark, which I think is why the total was down one point in the next ball game, which ended at 214, which, by the way, is exactly what I said I was looking for that total to be on the pod two days ago. I said 214, and then I said, ah, maybe 216. But that's, come on, that's pretty good. So let's analyze the results of that ballgame. We did a little bit of this on yesterday's show, but let's look at it from uh, a little bit more detailed perspective. Firstly, uh, the Lakers, again, continue to shoot the lights out. LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think you can expect they will get theirs at a very high clip. The other stuff is the stuff that you have to assume is at least partially unsustainable. Particularly Rajon Rondo uh, going 8 for 11 with three three-pointers. I know he, pre- he played a brilliant game. He was fantastic in that Game 3 win. Uh, I think he's earned himself a ton of minutes. But he's going to have a game here where he just doesn't hit any jumpers and has, you know, 8 points or whatever it is. And that right there is, is almost immediately your difference in the ballgame. From a tempo standpoint, this last ball game, uh, Lakers took 78 shots, 78 field goal attempts, had 23 free throws and 13 turnovers. Again, our sort of fuzzy math uh, gets you to 102 and a half, I think. If you peel that all together, am I getting that right? Yeah, 11 and a half, 14, 20, Yeah, 102 and a half. So again, the Lakers outperformed their expected final total in this game, largely because, again, 55% shooting and a dominant rebounding effort will get you to that mark. The Rockets, 81 field goal attempts, only nine turnovers, and they made all 14 of their free throws. They actually had a very low number of possessions, and believe it or not, they actually outperformed their expected total in this game as well, uh, mostly because they made all 14 of their free throws. Rockets probably should have been closer to about 97 to 100 range, and they went over that by 3 to 5, uh, and that you can almost look at I- I- exclusively the free throw shooting. 14 out of 14 is good. 12 out of 14 would have been much closer to... Uh, that still would have been, I think, above their, their uh, team average on the year. So 11 or 12 out of 14, that would have put them at uh, either 99 or 100, and that would have been much closer to their expected results. So the Rockets did almost exactly what we thought they would, and the tempo continued to slow. What we've seen in every single series, and this is a little bit bubble-specific, but also playoff-specific, so sort of you combine those two factors and you end up at, you know, this, the, the end point that we're seeing here, which is that the totals are coming down every single game, and the games are actually running away from that number. The totals are not coming down fast enough. Almost every series to this point, as the series has worked along, the game scores, it's its damn near linear. And it's not perfect, but it's damn near linear. The game scores have come down. Every game. It's like game one is the highest, or game one or two is the highest scoring, and then it's just boop, 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 down the hill, unless you play a double, over, double overtime game. But, you know, 
different monster, obviously, looking at that result from yesterday. So, what do we think is going to happen here? Um, Lakers, again, it, it, you know, if you assume the pace slows, which, I, honestly, I don't know that it slows much more than that last ball game. There was a lot of walking up. There was not much transition stuff. Turnovers were low, so that eliminated the sort of live ball ability to get out and run. Lakers had a couple of them. Rockets had uh, very few. They didn't get many fast break opportunities at all in that ball game, and I would expect that both teams are going to continue to try to take away those easy opportunities. Russell Westbrook bounced back, had a better ball game in Game Three. Harden played well again in Game Three. They actually got pretty good performances from most of their key guys, and still basically hit their expected number of around 102. Honestly, I thought this game would even be a tiny bit faster. So they ended at 214. So now we turn the page and we look at what's going on today. That total down a big number. It was a 222 was the final number uh, in the game on Tuesday. Today's game opened at 218. Uh, it's still there. My guess is that it probably works its way up over the course of the day and maybe closes at 219, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And I think we are close now to running... To, to sort of running out of value. Remember at 222, I was like, look, under, bang the under, because I think we've got eight, six to eight points of wiggle room there, which is basically two to four possessions of basketball. When you get down to what I assume this time, and, and look, I know you're thinking, look, maybe do the Lakers, can they really get to 112 points on, on that pace again? The answer is probably not. But they have totally picked apart the Houston defense, and they're just dominating them at that end of the floor right now. So if the Lakers play good defense again, there's a lot of maybes involved here. The problem, and that's with the Rockets at such a a wild card of a team on offense, I wanted that 6-8 to eight point buffer on my expected final total versus the actual set final total. When I'm looking at this one, and I, I'm going to turn the clock back to that Tuesday game again. The fact that the Lakers overperformed by, you know, 9 to 10 points and the Rockets overperformed by 3 to 5 points, it still puts me in an under lean for this one. Because at the pace they played at, and this is important to take note of, at the pace they played at, that game really could have very easily ended around 200 as opposed to 214. Very easily. So uh, definitely still looking at the under for the game tonight as it chases that number down. Um, on the other side, I'm wondering, you know, does Houston have a counter for what the Lakers were running defensively, which was heavily get the ball out of Harden's hand, let him stand around near the three-point line, and if you're letting the rest of those guys on Houston run their offense, it's Russell Westbrook, who your only job is to keep him out of the paint, and then a bunch of guys who don't move very much simplified the defense quite a bit for L.A. Uh, in doing some deep diving once again on this series, basically what the Lakers have done is if they can double Harden and make that first pass a slow one, meaning don't let him get through the double team, make him sort of slow bounce the ball or lob the ball to whoever, whoever he's throwing it to, then the Lakers basically only have one scramble drill. Because if they're doubling Harden, then on the rest of the floor, it's four on three. But they're going to probably leave their big man closer to the rim to make sure nobody cuts in for an easy layup. And then for Harden, he's going to flip one up and over the top of the double team to 
presumably someone who's relatively open. But if the Lakers can zone up a little and keep guys near the people that are nearest to Harden, make him either throw a a pass to one of those guys who's already mostly covered or lob a longer pass, then the Lakers have time to recover. Again, I don't know enough about schemes and counters to know what the Rockets are going to do in this thing. Uh, You know, the Lakers want Houston to initiate their offense with Westbrook. That's, That's the plan. Make them a team that doesn't let Harden start the offense. When Harden starts the offense in a one-on-one, they're destroying L.A. Lakers can't cover them at all. Harden's picking them apart. So they're just like, you know what? Screw it. This is a guy that doesn't do much off the ball. Let's get it out of his hands. And if they get it back to him at some point during the possession, we'll double his ass again. And suddenly the shot clock is winding down. So Lakers have figured out a way to slow down Houston, or at least make them take more time. Can the Rockets figure out a way to slow down L.A.? I don't know, but I do feel like, again, you're seeing tempo slow as the series goes on. So I have a lean to the under once again. I don't know how counters are going to work, so I don't have a strong feeling on the side. Uh, Lakers by five has been basically the number throughout this series, and I think, you know, in every one of these games, someone has kind of opened it up in the fourth quarter, and that's the Rockets. That's their impact on a basketball game. They They don't exchange buckets with you. They'll hit a couple of three-pointers, and then they'll miss three or four in a row. It's always going to be a six- or nine-point burst in one direction or the other. Unless you do what the Lakers are doing and force them to take more two-pointers. I think the Rockets took their fewest number of three-pointers in the bubble in Game 3 of this series. Part of that is the Lakers' defense. Part of it is that there's just fewer possessions in these playoff games. There's just fewer possessions. Teams are valuing the ball more. They're taking longer on their sets. There's no chucking. You're not allowed to chuck right now. Get your ass yanked from the ball game. So I'm still looking at a total uh, in the low 210s. I think we probably have five or six points of buffer there, but that can evaporate quick if Houston gets hot or if the Lakers stay hot. There's a lot of ways, or if they're turning the ball over, there's a lot of ways that this thing could creep up to that number of 218, but still um, not quite as strong. I mean, two days ago, we were pretty hard. I was like, look, I like the under in this game. Right now, I'm going to use a different terminology. I'm going to say, I kind of like the under. That's the direction I'm looking. If I'm making any play on this game, it's it's absolutely going to be the under. Uh, But I haven't made up my mind as to whether or not I'm pulling the trigger yet. Yesterday, uh, let's start with the late game because the late game was the relatively uninteresting one. A brutal game to watch. 56 combined free throws in a game that ended 96-85. to The pace was non-existent in that game. The shooting was ugly. The defense was better. Michael Porter Jr. called out his coaching staff for not getting them the ball more in the second half. And it's all coming apart for a Nuggets team that never really stood a chance against a far superior Clippers attack. Kawhi Leonard was stellar. Paul George was in foul trouble, but they didn't need him. That's how good Kawhi is during the playoffs in particular. I mean, he's just a great basketball player. Um, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James have a pretty good battle going for the best playoff basketball player in the world right now. Those two guys are incredible. And I don't know, if the Lakers win tonight, you could definitely call it a collision course in the Western Conference Finals, but I don't think we should get ahead of ourselves. I think Houston has a pretty damn good shot to win that basketball game. So that was ugly, and I don't. I, I legitimately don't know what the Nuggets do against this Clippers team. Like I said, the Nuggets have one advantage on the floor, and it's Nikola Jokic. 
And he was good again, 26-11-6. But they kind of need him to do everything. Because Jamal Murray has a really tough matchup, whether it's Beverly or Paul George, whoever the Clippers are sticking on him. They're trying to get him off to a slow start, and it's continually working. They're just hounding him. And then the Nuggets don't really have anybody else that they can count on to go and get a bucket against, what are you going to do, throw a wing out there and deal with Kawhi or, or George if they let him? I mean, they, they certainly would. So Jokic can just keep working on Ivica Zubats, and that's their one advantage on the floor. Otherwise, Clippers are better at, at pretty much every spot. I mean, Jamal Murray, a better offensive player than whatever the Clippers have at point guard, but that's a spot where the Clippers can D up. They can neutralize one of Denver's two main attackers without giving up much on their own side. Maybe that's a better way to put it. So we always knew this was going to be a a relatively solid beating of a series. We didn't really know how we were going to get there. Clippers fell asleep a bit uh, in Game 2, and the Nuggets were able to snag one. But now Denver's on the ropes, and uh, I think we all knew that was going to be there. Another under. Another under. I said every single game was going to go under over the last two days, and Boston-Toronto would have gone under because it was tied at 96 at the end of regulation. It was way under. 192? It was 17 points under at the end of regulation, and then the two teams just went completely bananas. 250, uh, 47, excuse me, was the final total there. The, I think the team set a record most points scored in an elimination overtime period or something like that. I think double overtime, they put up like a combined 30 points or something crazy. Uh, Kyle Lowry was fantastic at 33 on 20 shots. Norman Powell was brilliant in this game. And as I watched it, I was like, this is a dude that's playing his way into even more responsibility next season. Siakam was still terrible uh, on the offensive side, at least. He's, He's been decent enough on defense, but 12 points on 19 shots. He's just having the series from hell, and somehow Toronto still has a chance to get past Boston, which is remarkable given how close this series was to being over. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown all had good games. Daniel Tice, another stellar performance. Uh, Kemba was horrid. He's been alternating good and bad games for the most part. And just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know if he's himself. I don't know if that knee's ever going to be right again. I worry. He doesn't look right out there. If they got a decent game from Kemba, they would have won this game and ended the series. But that one's going to a game seven. Uh, I'll take under all day. These guys are going to be exhausted in that game tomorrow. Good Lord. A game seven after a double overtime game six. They might be a game like Denver, Utah, where first team to break 80 wins. Woof. That was a hell of a ball game. Man, that was a good one. Well, the under was the right play. I just, no one told me the game was going to go 58 minutes instead of 48. Would have been a good thing to know beforehand. So everything's going under these days. And that, I mean, that's just the way it is in these series. As the series move along, games slow down. Teams figure out what to do. There's just only so many things and a team can do on the offensive side with while staying within what their personnel is capable of. You're not going to just run a new guy out there you know, Toronto put Matt's, Matt Thomas out there for six minutes. Like, that's a wrinkle. If they played him 25 minutes, that would be a new thing, but it's not a good thing. That's what I mean by what can a team do on offense. There's just only so many things a team even wants to do on offense. And if you go outside of that, that's a win for the defense. It's no longer a counter. It's a team that's like, well, let's try this. 
This isn't the time for that. You stick to your strengths, and then over the course of a series, your opposition's like, all right, this is what they're going to do. We will now counter their strengths, and it's going to be our set versus theirs. The only reason that Lakers-Rockets hasn't gone farther under the total is that the Rockets haven't really figured out how to counter the Lakers' strengths, and I don't know that they have the personnel to do so. Admittedly, LeBron hit some really tough shots in the first half of Game 3. But anyway, that's what's going on in the NBA. A hell of a Game 6 yesterday. That was that was a fun one. Really looking forward to their Game 7. I have a feeling it will disappoint a tiny bit because these guys are dead. Kyle Lowry played 53 minutes. Siakam, 54. Tatum and Brown were over 50. Uh, Walker, as well, was over 50 minutes. I mean, that dude was getting every other game off in the seeding games. So I don't... I mean, what is Kemba even going to look like in Game 7? Will he play? I mean, he'll play, but will he play, play? Tough to know. Uh, That's about all the basketball we got going on. A couple of little tidbits of news. The NBA draft has been moved back basically a month. It's now November 18th. Does that mean everything else is getting pushed back a month? Um, Probably something like that. If I had to guess, you know, we... They initially said that the season was going to start December 1st, and that always felt like it was going to be a hell of a squeeze. My early expectation, way back early in the shutdown, uh, was that they'd start next year on Christmas, and it seems like that's probably going to be too early now as well, because while they love the Christmas money that comes in from those, those big network games on TV, teams will gain way more by waiting another week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it turns out to be, if that allows fans into the arena for an additional two or three weeks towards the end of the season. I don't think we're going to have fans in the arena at the start of next year, regardless of when they start the season. I don't think they could possibly go later than February. And I don't know, maybe you you have a partial arena by February. That's a a possibility if if you have a vaccine floating around by December, January, something like that. Um, but you're not going to have a packed arena probably at any point next season. But if you do, it would certainly be the end. So you kind of work your way backwards. And I think that's what these teams are doing. They're like, look, let's say we get really lucky. And I think they're assuming they're not going to have a, a, a full house because of COVID all the way through next season. I don't, I don't think you'll have a full arena until, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on this. But just sort of reading the tea leaves, um, I would think May, June at the absolute earliest and probably later than that. That's a guess, but, you know, indoor transmission, that seems to be the spot that it, things are the worst. It's pretty different if you've got something going on outside. Um, but I do think you start to see people in arenas next year. There's, you know, there will be a certain level of immunity, people that have had it. You know, it's it's looking like not that many people are getting it twice. And then there will be vaccines floating around at a certain point. So for these owners, for team ownership and the players, you know, this is actually both because this reflects on the energy in the arena, the enthusiasm, the fun for the, the folks playing the game. It reflects on the salary cap. Players want to make sure that as much money can come into the game as humanly possible because that allows the salary cap to move higher. And then for owners, you know, this is their 
this, you know, people in the arena and TV deals are kind of the two ways that they make money off of this stuff. So if in their head, hypothetically, let's play this out for a second before we wrap up today's show, in their head, they're like, look, best case scenario, we're putting some people in the arena by February and a lot of people in the arena by June. That's probably your best case scenario. Then we might as well have next season run with as many games after those marks as humanly possible. Do they know exactly when things are going to happen? No. It could be later than that. But for them, they're like, look, next year, let's just basically make next year run like this year, but without the four-month break. We'll start from the end point, which is October, and work your way backwards. And we've talked about this on the show before. There are ways they can shave off a week here and there. They'll make the regular season 82 games, but pack it into one week tighter as opposed to giving as many days off. Maybe the All-Star break is shorter. Take out two days of the All-Star break. Take out, you know, five days over the course of five months is pretty easy, actually. So you save a week there. Uh, The playoff series, you shorten the days off in between those. You remove a day off here and there during the finals. And then... If next season ends in, let's say, early October instead of mid-October, then they probably fire to start the next year by, let's say this season starts in February, they'll probably try to start the following season by early January or late December, then the following year by November, and the following year by October. So they'll slowly work their way back towards the old schedule. But this coming season is the big one. This is the the big one because there are still these massive question marks as to when teams can start to recoup some money from fan bases, can get people back into the arena. We don't know, so the more time they can buy on the back end, the better. Especially playoffs. It, you know, for the teams that are going to make it. So we'll see. Um, if I had to guess, and again... This is a total, this is a yank out of left field. Um, the If the draft is in mid-November now, free agency will probably start about two weeks after that, which is the way it normally is, draft in mid-June, free agency, beginning of July. Uh, so that would put free agency at the beginning of December. And if you went by the normal NBA path, which I don't think they would, That would start the season towards the end of February. I think they shave off some of that time. And I think you probably see a season start uh, maybe around Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Because then you're looking at that other sort of big holiday for them to to have this giant kickoff extravaganza type of deal. Uh, But I would think at the latest President's Day. I don't think they could run any later than that. Hopefully sooner. We'll see. I think that's really your only NBA Big NBA news. Daniel House, by the way, still questionable. Apparently, he is under investigation for breaching bubble protocol. And the word right now, and this is uh, an unconfirmed to this point, so we're not going to report it like it's a real thing. The word is he may have allowed a COVID tester into his hotel room. I don't know where they were normally getting tested, but I'm guessing it's not inside their individual rooms. And uh, that would be a breach of protocol and apparently a breach of trust, although we'll see. So, I don't know. Uh, We're not going to report on that because I don't know what the hell is going on there. 
Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Laker game, uh, Laker Rocket game tonight is at four Pacific. It's not the late. I mean, it is. It's both the late and the early game because it's the only game. Uh, but it is. Uh, I think it's about two hours earlier than most of their other games have been. Trying to make it a little more accessible to the folks on the East Coast. So don't have to stay up till midnight. So uh, set your clocks on that one. That game starts in about six hours from right now as I'm recording this podcast. And less than that by the time you actually get to this point listening the podcast or to it. Big thank you once again to my bookie. Get down on that damn bet. You only have a few hours left to do it. And also check out the Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. Coupon code over there is HoopBall20 for 20% off and free shipping. Getting the coupon code uh, at my bookie is just hoopball. That's the big one right now. Focus on that one today. Mybookie.ag coupon code promo code hoopball h o o p b a l l and do the odds boost. Chiefs plus fifty four. I don't even care about football. I'm not even going to watch five seconds of that game tonight. But I am going to look at my mybookie account when the game is over, and I'll see an extra forty five dollars therein. Have a great Thursday, everybody. I'm Dan Baspers. This was. Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. A hoop ball presentation. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. This has been a hoop ball presentation.